series called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, based on the book with the same uh, title. And um, really, what, what I have appreciated about the book and about the series and about, you know, my, my experience with the book is just through the men's uh, ministry on Tuesday nights. And so I've, like, really, really appreciated hearing from these other men about uh, their life and their journey with Jesus. But what I really like about the book is it's time to win the battle of your mind. I just like this idea that uh, if we can control our minds, if we can get a handle on uh, some of the lies that the enemy tells us, uh, then we can really grow in our relationship with God. And what I want to talk about this morning is uh, the way the enemy speaks to us and it sounds a lot like God. I was talking to Lisa this week, and I, I had this concept uh, this week that I still have to flesh out theologically. But um, the way the Lord speaks to me is in questions. Um, but usually it's like, really? <laughs> you know. I, I, but anyway, uh, but that's how he talks to me. He talks to me in questions like, um, you know, why, why are you so worried? Or what, you know, did, did, have I not? been faithful all this time? You know, like he'll ask me these questions. And I got on this concept of like, if, if the enemy masquerades as a uh, angel of light, uh, I wonder if he sounds, tries to sound like my heavenly father, right? And so I just kind of got into this. Now, again, Satan is not omnipresent. So there's a really, really small chance, one in several billion, that Satan is actually talking to me personally. But uh, one, th one of the things the enemy does is he creates a culture uh, that can mimic uh, what God would sound like to you or to I. And so uh, for any of you who's raised children or if you're in any kind of relationship at all, there's a dynamic that often uh, happens because if it's two people uh, living together or being friends or whatever, there's going to be harm done right? That's just what happens when two humans are together, you end up making a mistake. And so uh, when we were raising kids, it was old school. So we spanked, which I can say now because they're all adults and uh, CPS can't come to my house. Uh, that's it, right? Uh, and so uh, we used to spank. That was like our thing. And so what we liked about spanking or what I liked about it was that it was over. Like, like you, wow, that sounded like a spank. That's, wow, very aggressive. Um, and so, so, like, there would be an infraction. They would know that what they did was wrong. There would be a spanking or whatever if you do a timeout or whatever, and then it's over. And that is what we call in the Bible conviction. Conviction. And conviction is just, I did something wrong. I, knew, I know it was wrong. I'm going to change to do something different Again, so for any of you uh, who are followers of Jesus, this might be how you came to Christ. You said, you looked at your past and you said, you know what, the way I've been acting, the way I've been living my life is not godly, it's not holy, and so God, would you forgive me for my sins, right? That's healthy, that's conviction. To, to feel guilty over something can be very uh, healthy. So if I, if there's an infraction between me and Lisa, I mean, normally it's her fault, but let's just say that for some reason it was my fault. Okay. Just for example, uh, right. 
I would feel bad. If I did anything to harm her, to hurt her, I would feel bad, and I would go and I'd say, would you forgive me? And that, that's healthy. That is conviction, feeling guilty. And so we go before our Heavenly Father, and we say, would you forgive me? But there's another dynamic that can happen in unhealthy relationships, and that is condemnation. That's shame. So guilt says you did something wrong. Shame says you are something wrong. Shame says, um, uh, 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 guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I am bad, right? And it's really, really important that we understand the difference because the enemy uh, will use condemnation and shame in order to make you think that you are disqualified to be a follower of Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever felt that. I have felt that before in the past where I've felt you know, some, I've done something wrong or I'm in a, a, a not that great of a season in my life and I just think, you know what? I'm not going to share my faith. I'm not going to talk to anyone about Jesus. I am not going to, I can't be used for anything because I am, there's something wrong with me. Not I did something wrong. I am something wrong. So what I want to do this morning is go into an Old Testament uh, uh, section of scripture it's kind of, you have to be a little bit careful when you're uh, looking at the prophets. We're going to be in Isaiah um, because you can't really take all these prophecies and visions and stuff and apply them. But fortunately, for the section of scripture that we're going to look at for most of church history, uh, it's kind of clear of what Isaiah is about, is, is, is saying, and we can apply this to our own lives. And so what we're going to look at this morning is what happens, the difference between conviction and condemnation, and why it's really important for us to own our sin, repent from our sin, and turn from it, and move on, and why the enemy, or your flesh, or culture, will say, no, 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 no. you're canceled, you're no good, you're a bad person, and so you are useless, okay? So we're in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is really cool. Okay, I, I tell you that sometimes I geek out over the Bible. I'm super geeked out over this one. In the year of King Uzziah's death. Now, this is really cool because Isaiah is going to be talking about a vision that he has, but it takes place in a certain time, like a real time in the year of King Uzziah's death. So like, like if I were to talk to you about a vision I had and I said, um, uh, and, and nine, right, right around 9-11, you'd go, oh yeah, that's right, when the towers went down, right? You, you'd, you'd know that time. If I said, during the pandemic, you'd go, oh, that's right, 20, started in 2020, you're doing all that. That's what Isaiah's doing. He's saying, in the, in the year of King Uzziah's death, so if you're reading this and you were the original uh, readers, you'd go, oh yeah, that's right, I, I remember that, okay? So what's happening is, Isaiah is taking a current event or, a, or, 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 or something in the world, like real, and then he's marrying it to the kingdom. So uh, in, in the past, for all those of you who've been uh, with Lisa and I, the 17 years we've been here, we have hand motions for this, for the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, right? And everybody knows what that, yep, thank you very much, right? The kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, anyway, it's dumb, but... I'm not that great. So, uh, so that's what it is. And this is what's happening. 
He's saying, in the year of King Uzziah's death, this actually took place. He had a vision. Watch. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Now watch what he says. This is so amazing. Lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. So in the year of King Uzziah's death, Isaiah has this vision. And maybe you felt this way too. I know that I have. And maybe it will be during a worship song or during something else where I feel the presence of God. Have you ever felt the presence of God? Maybe it comes out of nowhere. Maybe you're even driving. I've had this happen even in my car. I've been driving and I'm maybe listening to worship music or I'm listening to something or I'm just in silence and I just sense his love for me and his presence. And I have the exact same uh, response that Isaiah has. And we'll see what that is. So he's, he's, he's in the year of King Uzziah's death. He has this vision of God on the throne with a train of his robe filling the temple. Would that be amazing to have a vision like that, right? Now watch what happens. This is incredible. Seraphim, which are like these little, they're, they're like a different kind of angel, okay? They're just like a, a heavenly creature. Uh, I, I call them bat angels, but that is just, I made that up because I just picture them like, like jamming around. And here's where I get that from. Uh, each having, I hope that isn't bad to say that now that I think about it. Each having six wings, with two, he covered his face. So they, this, this creature's got six wings. Two of them cover his face. Two of them cover his feet. And two, he's jamming around with the, with the other two wings. Would that be amazing to, to have that vision? It's incredible. And with two, he flew. So here they are, this seraphim, this, this, these heavenly creatures, right? And one called out to another... And said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah is having an incredible vision of who your heavenly father is and who my heavenly father is. Isn't that incredible? When we think about we just had our prayer requests and we think about our day going forth and we think about maybe it's... Uh, siblings not getting along or somebody's sick or whatever. This is the God we serve, that there's creatures around him 24-7 singing holy, holy, holy. I have a little joke, actually. Uh, for sometimes uh, people who've been in the church a long time, not that they're old, but they've been in the church a long time, and they like hymns. They'll call the worship songs that we do uh, 24 sevens. Like you sing the same verse 24 times in, in a row, right? And my joke is, well, you're going to hate heaven because all they do is sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, so, uh, so that's just a fun, <clears throat> anyway. All right. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now listen to this. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. This is the vision Isaiah has. This is your God. This is my God. This is a vision of what it looks like in heaven. So here's Isaiah. Then I said. <laughs> so Isaiah has a response for this. And it's the response that I often have. And it's the response of 
conviction. It's the response of, I'm living my life and it doesn't match up to this holy, holy God that I serve. I'm not measuring up. Watch what he says. I said, woe is me for I am ruined. I cannot measure up. I don't make it. And for some of you, and if you're watching online or someone has shared this uh, sermon with you, it might be because what I'm about to say next. And that is you don't feel worthy enough to follow God. And that is exactly where the enemy wants you. That's condemnation. And as we talked about last week, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if there's a voice in your head that says, I'm not worthy, you're not. <laughs> okay, Isaiah was correct. He says, woe to me, for I am ruined. I'm here at this just in his case, this dude trying to do the best he can, and I have this vision of how holy God is, and I don't measure up. He says, woe to me, for I am ruined. And here's what he says, because I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, I look back over my week, I look back over my day, I look back, and I don't measure up. To which your heavenly Father would say, no, you don't. It's okay, though. Because of Jesus, right? Now, Isaiah didn't have Jesus at this time. But he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And not only that, I live among a people of unclean lips. I'm jacked up and everyone around me is jacked up. In the Hebrew, that's what it says. <laughs> okay? I'm jacked up and everybody around me is jacked up. And how in the world am I going to be in the presence of Almighty God when I'm the way I am. And some of you feel that way even right now. You were not even thinking about coming to church or watching online or whatever because you just feel like the way you've lived your life or the week it's been or the season it's been, the year it's been, you just say, you know what? I, 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 I'm not, I can't do this. Watch what happens. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Now watch. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And I just can't measure up to whatever that is. Flying creatures saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now watch what happens. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand. That would freak me out to no end. A, a flying creature with a burning coal in his hand. But Isaiah stays there, okay? Which he had taken from the altar with tongs. Now remember what Isaiah said. He said, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And so he takes this, this seraphim, takes, a, takes some tongs, grabs a coal out of the altar, right? And he touched my mouth. And he said, behold, this has touched those unclean lips and your iniquity, your guilt is taken away and your sin is forgiven. The area in your life 
that the enemy is using to disqualify you is the very area that your heavenly father wants to touch. It's the very thing he wants to seal. The thing that you feel most guilty about, you feel most inadequate about, that is the very place that your heavenly father wants to send his forgiveness and touch it. You say, John, if you knew my life, if you knew my past, if you knew my thoughts, if you knew how I handled last week, you would not say that. I am here to tell you, your heavenly father has created a way for that very sin, your deepest, biggest regret, to be washed as white as snow. Your guilt, your iniquity, your sin is taken away. Now, one of the reasons why uh, the enemy wants to get control of your mind and uh, tell you that you're, not, you're disqualified is not to keep you from heaven. That has already happened. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have said, look, I want to follow him with all my heart, you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and you wanted a ticket to heaven, you got one. Right? And so there's nothing that he can do to take that away from you. Only you can take that away from you. The enemy can't do it. So his next goal is to make sure you don't tell anyone else about Jesus, that your life isn't transformed, that you are um, stuck where you are. And so he wants to tell you over and over and over again, you're disqualified, you're not good enough, you should know more of the Bible. You should never. Don't talk about Jesus. You, the way you live your life, what you did last week, what a hypocrite. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. That's what he wants you to do. But watch what happens with Isaiah when his guilt is taken away. See, it's not condemnation. It's conviction. He goes before his heavenly father and he goes, man, I'm jacked up and everyone around me is jacked up. And the Lord says, I know that. He says, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. You should have heard what was coming out of my mouth yesterday. And the Lord says, oh, we got a coal for that. Oh, you should see my thought process. Oh, you should, you should, you should, if you, if he knew, I mean, if you knew what it is. Oh, don't worry about it. We got a coal for that. We can sear that up. We can fix all that. That's no big deal. Oh, man, if you had known about my 20s, I wasted my whole 20s. Oh, we got a coal for your 20s. We got coal for all that stuff. Come on, just come here. You're a man of unclean lips. You're a woman of unclean lips. You live among a people of unclean lips. We got a call for that. He says, your, uh, he says uh, your, your, uh, your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. So now there's this guy. He's still in front of a holy God, but his sin is gone. There'd be a woman in front of this holy God and your sin is gone. So what happens next? Then I heard a voice of the Lord. I heard the voice of the Lord. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Well, certainly not this guy who with unclean lips. We don't want to use him. Oh, but wait a minute. That sin is forgiven. Well, certainly not the people of unclean lips. We go, oh, no, 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 no. We can use even this person who's ruined who's a man of unclean lips and lives among a people of unclean lips. Who, who, who will we go? And I said, here I am, send me. 
This is the beauty of your sins being forgiven. Not just that you go to heaven. That is awesome. And not just that you're like, whoo, I feel so much better about myself. It's that when, you, when your sins are forgiven, you are made whole to be used for his glory. You are no longer ruined. You are no longer a person of unclean lips and live among a pe people of unclean lips. You are, the Bible says, restored. And you're restored for a purpose. He says... Here I am, send me. What takes someone from I'm ruined to, oh, I'll do that? Conviction and forgiveness. Conviction and forgiveness. To truly go before the Lord and go, yeah, I am not worthy to be in your presence. And he says, we have a call for that. And you're forgiven. No matter what your past is. This is why we call it the gospel. This is why we call it the good news. This is why I can say up here with confidence that the, power, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I can tell you, your sins can be forgiven right now. You can go before him right now and say, Jesus, forgive me of my past. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. I have a past and I want it forgiven. And he says, from what he did on the cross, he says... Your sins are forgiven. Now go. So he says, here I am, send me. I was thinking about this a little bit. I was thinking about different people in the Bible um, who were given a task. Jonah says, here I am, I'm not going. <laughs> right? That was Jonah's story. He says, here I am. Yeah, uh-uh. Those people don't deserve to salvation. I'm, I'm out of here. Right? We have Moses who says, here I am, send my brother right? Send Aaron, right? What gets a person to the place where they say, here I am, send me? That's a restored person. And if you don't think you're worthy enough to be used by God, it's just bad theology. It's just bad theology. So he says, here I am. And so, so here's what the Lord says. Okay, go. Go and tell your people, Go and talk to your go, go and talk to your school, the kids at your school. Go and talk to your neighbors. Go and talk to your place of business. You're going to be, you're going to have a testimony now, is what he says. And here's what he says. It's incredible. Because we have this guy who goes from not feeling worthy at all to actually having an incredible ministry. What we're about to read is very difficult for him. Okay, here's what he's going to tell these people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. This to me, uh, and this isn't a political statement or anything like that, but this to me is like our current culture in America. I'm, I'm sorry. That, when, I, when I'm online or whatever, it's just like, be ever hearing. You got the internet. You got all this information. And you guys are as jacked up as any generation I've ever seen. Right? Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never persevering. Make the heart of this people calloused and make their ears dull and close their eyes. This is a brutal ministry Isaiah is going to have. What qualifies him for this? His education? No. What qualifies him for this? He's attractive. He's, what, he's in great shape, whatever. No. 
What qualifies him is that his sins are forgiven. What qualifies you is that your sins are forgiven by your heavenly father. I should get a shirt that says there's a coal for that. That would be kind of cool. Make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now, it sounds, it sounds like God's saying, I don't want them to be healed. Like, I don't want them. Like, just keep them. What he's saying is, let this play, let their... The way they want to live their life, let it play out and see how, it's like, almost like Dr. Phil. How's that working out for you, right? So Isaiah says, for how long, Lord? Now, this is really awesome because we don't know if he's asking, how long do you want me to go talking to the people? Or how long are they going to be blind uh, and deaf? Well, he answers. Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. This is a brutal, brutal ministry Isaiah has. But here's what God's saying. Let it play out for him. Let, him, let, it, let it play out. And, Isaiah, you're not responsible for the outcome. You're only responsible to obey. This is so beautiful. We see from Isaiah, he, he comes from the right posture. He's seen the Lord, like he's wrecked, right? And for any of you who've experienced Jesus in, in a really meaningful way, you're ruined because you know what it's like to have that relationship with him. You know what it's like to be close to him. You know what it's like to take that risk of obedience to change your life. You're ruined. You're wrecked. Paul talks about it too. He says, it'd be better that you didn't know at all, right? Than to have known and then to walk away. And so God uh, fixes him, forgives him from his sin, and then puts him on this ministry. And Isaiah is not responsible for the outcome. God doesn't say, tell him about me, tell him about all this stuff, and for how long? Oh, until everybody is all healed up and everything. No, you just have, a, you have a testimony. You have your testimony. You're not responsible for the outcome. You are only responsible to go before your heavenly father and say, I'm ruined. <laughs> I'm wrecked. And the Lord says, we're going to take care of that and qualify you until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is utterly forsaken. Now, I was talking about our culture today, um, which is incredibly messed up. Um, if God doesn't qualify you through forgiveness, how is anyone in your circle of influence going to know? You are placed strategically at your school, at your job, in your family of origin to be the one who tells people about Jesus. And the number one tool of the enemy is to go, you're a hypocrite. You're not worthy. Don't tell anybody about anything. 
Just keep it to yourself. It's your own personal belief. And this is the outcome. They just, they're left to their own devices. Now, this isn't a guilt trip. What I'm trying to get across from us is that we have an awesome responsibility and we are qualified because of what Jesus did on the cross. I just wrote this uh, thing. I was just writing stuff. But there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. If it's condemnation, if you feel like you're not worthy, that's bad theology. You're not worthy. But he's made a way through the cross. Now, as the worship band comes back up, I, 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 uh, I wanted to leave us a little bit more time. Uh, after the sermon to be able to do some maybe deeper business with God. For some of you this morning, and I know a lot of your stories and we've talked and texted and done everything, you just feel like there's no way you can be used by him. And so uh, we have an altar here, and uh, I mean the stage, and we call it the altar, but um, you, you might want to just come before him and kneel down. I like to oftentimes come and kneel as just a posture of humility. And maybe you just kneel before him and you just say, God, would you use me however you can? Here I am. Send me. So we're not Jonah. Here I am. I'm not going. We're not Moses. Here I am. Send my brother. Send somebody with a theological degree or send somebody more qualified. We say, this is all I have. And maybe you don't want to come forward and kneel. Maybe you want to just stay in your seat. That's fine, too. During this time, we fill out our connection cards, or if you have the app, we uh, fill that out. And uh, um, uh, just to check in. And uh, for those of you who give, first of all, we just thank you so much. Uh, that's how we uh, survive here at uh, Living Spring is through just generous donations. And so we appreciate that. We know you're giving to God. You're not giving to us. We understand that. Maybe you, could, you prepare your offering. And we take all those things, the connection cards and the offering, and we put them in that box in the back. But we're going we're gonna to take a little bit longer time than normal for you to do business with God. And maybe, maybe your prayer is something like this. God, I don't feel worthy. I'm a man or a woman of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. I got a distorted mind. I'm trying to do the best I can. But God, I know you can use me because of who you are, not who I am. And so maybe you just kneel before him uh, like I'm going to do and just once again to just offer my life, everything that I have. My prayer for us this morning is that this is one of those messages that's an anchor for you. Did you remember the time you said, you know what? I'm, I'm doubling down on this relationship with Jesus. And that, that's, a, that's a thing for you. And uh, we also have some people praying over here. If you want someone to just lay hands on you, you're going through something more, uh, and you just want to hear someone pray over you, it's very powerful. Uh, you can have someone pray for you uh, there. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are just not great people in comparison to who you are. 
that the train of your robe fills the temple and there's smoke and heavenly creatures and they're all saying holy and we just stand before you going, I don't even know if I can be used. And then you say, your sins are forgiven. Your iniquity is taken. Now go. Lord, we feel so helpless oftentimes. Lord, I pray that your voice would drown out the enemy's voice. That you loved us enough that you died on the cross for us. Not only so that we can go to heaven, but that we can be used by you in a mighty way. So I pray for those chains in so many people's lives to be broken today. In Jesus' name. messages on forgiveness are so simple, <laughs> but they're so important for us to keep in the back of our mind that you are worthy because he makes you worthy. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing if you can. I believe that the Lord has broken some chains in some of our lives today, and uh, we just rejoice in that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His strength, in His joy, in His love, and in His grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.